Good morning to everyone. Welcome to God's house this morning as we take a look again at that epiphany light that our Savior was given for us as we take a look at our mission as a congregation. One quick announcement, again, as many of you um, returned the sheets, the worship uh, sheets that are handed to you, the bulletins, whatever you want to call them, we're asking if you do return them because of the flu season and the cold season, I'm not sure how long germs last on those papers, but if you're going to return them, put them on the chairs to the right as you leave the worship center. Uh, We do not want to get the second service um, sick, all those members. So please just put them on the chair and then we will recycle those. And as we think of our mission and as we think of our Savior, may we give that glory to that child that was given for us at Bethlehem as we sing in our first hymn. Let us please rise, we join in with our morning praise. O Lord, open my lips. Hasten to save me, O God. The Spirit of the Lord fills the world. Let us worship him.
please be seated as we join with our psalm this morning, Psalm 67. The congregation will sing the refrain. Our lesson for this morning is recording the Gospel of John chapter 1. And here we see the calling of the disciples and what a privilege God gives us to be workers in his kingdom. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael, told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending descending on the Son of Man. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We join together with our next hymn. We are all one in mission.
grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is recorded in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> Dear friends in Christ, what do these numbers have in common? 1,200, 12,000, and 44,000. 1,200, 12,000, and 44,000. Anybody want to take a guess? Any math majors? CPAs? Those are costs of tickets over the past weekend. $1,200 a ticket was going for the Bucks game last Friday night. The 12000 is some of the cheapest tickets you can find for the Super Bowl online as they're way up on the second level towards the top le- um, rows. And other tickets are going at $11,000 a piece, and you have to buy four of those and four of the 3000 I'm thinking to myself, I love going to the Twin Cities, but for $12,000 or $44,000 to go to a football game, I think I could use that money, finish off our basement, invite 200 of my closest friends, <laughs> and have a Super Bowl party. But those tickets are going for that price. It's unbelievable, isn't it? To think that somebody would spend $12,000 or $44,000 plus transportation, plus lodging, it's hard to believe. I get it. I get it for that love of the game, for that love to see Golden State playing again on Friday night, even though Steph Curry wasn't playing. I get that. I understand why some people will do it. Well, maybe I don't quite understand why some would do it, but think of the way that love for sports drives them to do something that we would call isn't normal. Well, this morning as we take a look at our mission, we want to take a look at what Christ's love compels us to do. What Christ's love compels us to do when when we think of his love, the way he willingly came into this world Willie laid his back on that cold manger and then 33 years later would lay his back on the cross for us. We're going to take a look at his love. And we'll also take a look at, at our love, what our love compels us to do for him. I mean, take a look at what, what Paul writes. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them was raised again. Christ's love compels us. As we think of that salvation, when we think again the way the one died, and since we all die because of sin, we realize again that we too will be raised from the dead. That we too have life. The term compels the Greek really draws a picture of mean be squeezed out. Think about it when you're using your toothpaste next time. You know, how do you get the toothpaste out? You have to squeeze it, don't you? The toothpaste won't come out by itself, but you need to squeeze it. To squeeze it out. That's what Christ's love compels us. To squeeze our love out. 
to squeeze out our actions for him. To show again what, what that salvation means for us. Isn't that our mission? Isn't that our mission when we, we think of what Christ has done for us, that God in his love, instead of turning his back on us, has given us that way of salvation. And when you take a look at our text for this morning, take a look how many times reconciliation is used. How many times that forgiveness is used. In scripture, when something is repeated twice, we call that parallelism. When it's mentioned more than two times, we call it, you better take notice. Take a look at those words that are before you this morning. Take a look what it says of what Christ has done for us. I take a look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We are a new creation. We are God's forgiven children. Christ's love compelled him to give up all that heavenly glory and to come to this world for us. He willingly went to the cross, fulfilled his mission for us. And now when I start to realize again that love that he had for me, the way again he squeezed out that love for me, what about my life? What about my actions? I'm a new creation. Yes, there's still that sinful nature. There's still that, that sinful nature that's always attached to us and will not leave until we die from this world. But being a new creation means I get to focus on what God expects of me. I start to realize again what he demands of me. And then we start to realize again what, what Paul is saying. You take a look at verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Reconciliation. That term means to be at peace. We are at peace with God. Not by our actions, not that, okay, I'm a member of a church. I come to church every week. I'm, I'm here, Lord. It's all by God's grace, that undeserved love. Christ's love compelled him to come into this world to make that sacrifice for us, to, to give us that salvation. And God's not counting our sins against us. That, that great exchange, the way, again, our sins go to the cross, his holiness, his righteousness becomes ours. Think what that means. Think what that means for us to live in that new creation. But you also catch that last phrase of that verse. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. It doesn't say um, if you want to do this. It doesn't say if you have time, I want you to do this. It says, I have committed this to you. I have committed this mission and that's why churches exist. To go out into the world. To go out into the world and to tell others about that ministry of reconciliation. To tell them that their sins are forgiven, that, that they're that new creation because of God's grace. But how many times do churches get so in-focused that they start to look inside their walls? And they start to get so concerned 
about are the bills going to be paid? What's going to happen? How much money do we have in checking? Now, I'll never forget one of the first meetings when I was called here for this church. Before we had any Bible study, before we had anything, we sat down with the mission board, went through a budget, and the first thing that was cut was our outreach. And remember, our mission counselor and I said, um, that doesn't quite seem to make sense. If you're beginning a church, planting a new church, trying to do outreach, why is that budget cut? Well, we have to balance the budget. Well, again, the Lord, the Lord saw other means for us. And we did do that outreach. And I think it's something, too, that we have to be so careful when we take a look, too, at, at churches and and how often do we start to focus inside and, and fail to see that, that ministry of reconciliation that God has given us? And I get it. We need buildings. We need to worship someplace. But how often, again, do we start to build that Taj Mahal and then all of a sudden, sorry, Pastor, we don't have that money to do that Easter outreach. We don't have that, that money to do that ministry of reconciliation. I mean, after all, we have to pay the bills. There's a balance there as we take a look at our mission. Because he has committed to us and given us that privilege as we heard in our lesson for this morning, the calling of the disciples. We are Christ's disciples. And let's do that mission. Because take a look what he says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, although God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. Think what that means. That we are that ambassador of Christ and God himself was making that appeal through us. I mean, wouldn't it be great to receive that phone call and send that you've been appointed ambassador? I mean, just think how that conversation would go. Um, well, thank you, Mr. President, for appointing me ambassador to Germany. I'll try to serve you know, the country. I'll, I'll try to make you proud. But I'm not moving to Germany. I'm going to stay here in Oshkosh. I can do my work here in Oshkosh, uh, Mr. President. Um, how effective would you be as an ambassador? Probably not very effective. Then I start to realize our mission as a church. Okay, God has reconciled us. He's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. And now I'm his ambassador. Does he want me to sit inside these walls and, and say, okay, people will find us. They know where we are. And if that's true... Why are there so many advertisements of department stores and other products on TV trying to get us to buy that product? They're trying to reach out to us. I start to realize again with our last uh, Percept study uh, that was done, which was basically bordering Highway 41 on the east, um, 44 on the south, going out to about Fisk Avenue, um, low up to Lake Butamore, then back to Highway 41. It's about, in the next three to four years, there'll be over 18,000 people in that area. A third of the Winnebago County is unchurched. In the next five years, there's supposed to be roughly 1,800 people moving into that area that I just described. What are we doing as a church? When I think of the way Christ's love compels us to do our mission, what are we doing to reach out to those 1,800 residents? And if that stat, which is pretty accurate, a third of the Winnebago County, 
So again, what does that mean? The congregation, five, six hundred people will not have a church. Five or six hundred people, or homes, I should say, will not have that knowledge of that ministry of reconciliation, that they're at peace with God. How many of those people are going to be walking about with the guilt of their sins on their shoulders as we sit here and, and think, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for that outreach? What are we going to do with our mission? I think again that God is making his appeal through us. That appeal through us. And I know it's an old wise tale, but I, I kind of like it when there's this wise tale that says when Jesus ascended into heaven, that the angels greeted him and they said, okay, welcome home. It's great to see you. They were singing their praises to him. And they said, okay, Lord, you did everything. You gave up all that heavenly glory. You were born as a baby in that stable. You grew, you did that ministry, you did your mission of reconciliation. You died for salvation. You've ascended back into heaven. Who's going to carry on that ministry? And Jesus, he says, oh, I have my disciples, I, I have my believers, they will carry it out. And the angel said, what happens if they don't? And he said, I have no other plan. I know, again, it's not in Scripture, but it makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? And I started to realize again that, that God is making his appeal to those people that have that spiritual thirst. And he gets to use us to reach out into the community, to reach out into the world again through the gifts that we bring in our offerings. Our mission. Think of our mission. What does Christ's love compel you to do? I take it for granted you'll be brushing your teeth again today and tomorrow. Christ's love squeezes our love out. It squeezes out our action, our mission. It's exciting, isn't it, my friends? Exciting that, that God is using us sinners to do that work. May we never forget our mission and may Christ's love compel us to do that work now until we're called to that church triumphant. God grant this for Jesus' sake. As we hear again about our cause in our next hymn and again the congregation will be joining in on the third stanza.
Now may the peace of God surpass all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And as we return our first fruits to our Lord who has given us all things, the guest books are located in the chairs in the center aisle. Please take a moment to sign those as this pass back to the center. It gives you a chance to greet your neighbor and our Lord and Savior.
Let us please rise for our prayers. Heavenly Father, as we think of Christ's love, truly that compels us to be your disciples. What a privilege you've given us, and you've committed to us that ministry of reconciliation. Use us as your disciples. So many people are struggling, so many people are weighed down with the guilt of their sins. They failed to see the comfort of salvation that was given to them on the cross and by Christ's resurrection. Use us and not only the gifts that we bring, that once again as we are planning our ministry expansions, may we do it to your glory. May we remember our mission and the souls that are out there. Continue as you bless this congregation be all means, that we may return these gifts to you and be those ministers in your mission field, and to walk through those doors that you're opening up for us. All this we ask in our Savior's name, who taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. When the time had fully come, he sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne of the Lamb, be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the night that he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this remembrance me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, gave to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance me. May the peace of the Lord be with you always.
with all things being prepared for the Lord's Supper, you'll be ushered up in the center aisles. you receive the elements. dispose of the cups and baskets. You return to your chairs on the side aisles.
having heard the word of our Lord and received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior in the sacrament, let's please rise we continue our praise and singing, thank the Lord. Hear the prayer, you people, Lord, that the lips which have praised you here may glorify in the world, that the eyes which have seen the coming of your Son may long for his coming again, that all receiving his true body and blood, the pledge of your forgiveness, may be restored to live a new and holy life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated for our closing hymn. Kurt Johnson and Peter Mall would like to address again the congregation day. We are hitting the crunch time uh, with our ministry expansion, and we want to make sure everybody, um, if they have more questions about this uh, special project that the Lord is blessing us with, but it gives us that opportunity for some of that give, give and take. 
and we will be putting up um, some of the drawings that you received last week. We do have some drawings left too, but we'll turn it over to Peter and Kurt. <laughs> 